You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Mo Aiken, the author of a great book that we'd love for you to check out. It's called Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God. You're going to hear a familiar voice. Mo's been with us on the program before. She is also the author of a great book that had a profound impact called Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations that the Church Forgot About. You may remember uh, she, along with Chris Brooks, did a great program that was super impactful. I remember it in my mind listening to the program. So welcome to the program. Good morning to you, Mo. Thanks for taking some time to sit in with us. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm excited. Well, very excited because, uh, you know, when this came up that we had the opportunity to chat with you and uh, we were looking at the title and what the context of the book was, I was just reminded that right now coming off of the heels of, you know, and I know, who knows, we can define pandemic in any which way. People say we're still in it. Some say we're out and, you know, but we're we're sort of returning. We're emerging back into society and uh, we just went through finally a holiday series uh, you know where we, we felt like we could still be among family without any restrictions and it was very liberating but also when we're going through those types of seasons we can struggle with our spiritual walk and it leads us into a place where things might get a little bit dry but um you had shared with me that in Matthew 7, this is where you were in particular in in the genesis of this book and the intimacy mm-hmm. of God. Tell me a little bit about the personal challenges in your walk that leads you into the scripture of Matthew 7, 21, 23, that gives birth to this book. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm always... Um struck by the simplicity of Jesus's words with the with the woman at the well for example what he offered her in this intimate very personal encounter right they were the only two out there what he offered her ultimately was this living water that would never run dry and so i i think when i found myself personally in a season um where I just really felt far from God. I felt dry. I was doing all the right things, right? I was serving. I was involved in the church. I was traveling and speaking. And I think this is kind of an under-discipled area, right? A lot of the time there are believers who have been believers for a while where we're doing many good things, yet I will never forget it was like my spirit just came up like gasping for breath of Lord, why do I feel so far from you? I'm doing and I'm doing, but I just feel this disconnect. And I know it's not you. Your word says you never leave nor forsake, right? But I I can't help but admit something is off, right? And I remember he led me to Matthew 7, 21 through 23, which is a scripture that previously it was one that I like read really quickly past and just like, no, I'm sure that doesn't apply to me. It kind of those scriptures that make us a little nervous, but he drew me back to it. And it, it says, you know, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my father in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not cast demons? But to them, I will say away from me. I never knew you. And that 
felt like, I think when we read that passage, it, it, the enemy can quickly bring a condemnation. But the Lord invited me to wrestle with it and to find the invitation in it. And I remember it was that word new. That's not what I want to hear, Lord. I don't want to hear, I never knew you. I don't want to say, well, I did all these things and I ministered and I served and I was involved in your church and still hear, but I never knew you. Yeah. And if knowing you is what allows that living water to never leave us dry, I have to investigate what this means. And that was what really catapulted um, my spiritual journey in that season that birthed this book. But that word new, it is in the Hebrew, the idiom, uh, the Hebrew idiom is yada, yada intimacy. And it is the same you would find in the text saying like, and Joseph had not yet known Mary or the man took his wife and he knew her. It yeah. is the type of intimacy that is vulnerable, transformative, bears fruit. It is this physical intimacy as we understand the picture, but spiritually it's this invitation to the deepest, most transformative intimacy. And that passage is saying, hey, this is the heart of the gospel. Yeah. I want to know you and to be known by you that we would become one. And it was a game changer. Well, I've got to tell you, you know, I have wrestled with this myself because, you know, in Christian circles, we can always hear, you know, well, what is it that you want at the end of your life? Well, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And mm -hmm. I go to this, and to me, I believe this is perhaps the most terrifying words <laughs> of the Bible because I don't, I, I'm not looking for an attaboy. Uh, what I'm looking for is to live a life that does not result in those words, depart right. from me, because I know how sinful I am. I know how self-centered I can be, and mm -hmm. I know that I can trick myself into saying all the things that I'm doing are so holy and I'm so good, and then you live this life and you believe that you're actually doing the will of the Father, only to find mm -hmm. out I've duped myself and I've fallen to the enemy. That right, in and of right. itself is the most dangerous place for any Christian to be. So that you are saying that this is the origination point, right? This is where right. we leap off of. It is truly a place where God is giving us opportunity. It's not just a mm -hmm. warning. This is an opportunity to really evaluate your life. And you break right. that out so well in the book. So how can we really start to walk down that path of embracing that type of intimacy? Because yeah, there's not re we don't have a human model for that. We really I was don't. gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say the place the journey began for me was this place of hold on, Lord, hold on. You're saying the whole of the gospel centers around intimate oneness with you. But I have every manner of broken intimacy, broken relational pictures. I mean, I had navigated a testimony of sexual brokenness, of being hurt, of, you know, things that were sacred just being defiled, right? I mean, I, I looked around at my own life and I'm like, Lord, if intimacy is the key, you're going to have to teach me what that even 
is by your design. Because I think even probably for people listening to, to this right now, we think of intimacy and connected to Jesus. And it makes people squirm just as much as my second book title did, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations of Church for God. It's like, wait, 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 what do you mean this yada, this intimacy, and then with Jesus? It makes us uncomfortable because our understanding of right-natured intimacy has been wounded along the way in our life. So I said, Lord, you have to teach me what like right-natured intimacy is and how it shows me your love, your heart, how I'm supposed to walk this thing out. And that was the first piece. He had to dismantle um, the things that I had experienced and the way they were informing my understanding of His love. And then once he dismantled, we were able to start at a better foundation. And he showed me how this relational progression that he has designed in our lives, prophesies to, to his glory, prophesies to the gospel. And um, man, I began to understand like, I called it spiritual singleness. When before he's come, like when we're still in our sin and then this great, he took the Hebraic wedding and painted this picture of the extension of his covenant of love when he rescues us um, out of all the ways we've been trafficked and enslaved by the enemy. And he takes a knee for us and he, he makes this beautiful covenantal offering of like our betrothal to him. Not go figure yourself out, go fix it all up, but hey, right as I found you, I... I long to be your bridegroom and you my bride. And and he takes us under his arm and we begin to walk out this journey navigating right-natured intimacy to becoming one when it is us being transformed into his likeness. And that oneness is really found in the vulnerability of letting him heal us, letting him transform us, letting him into the places like this is intimacy. This is vulnerability. When we let him into the places of our life and our heart that we have just walled up and, and hid behind, when we let his Holy Spirit convict us of sin and we realize that there's safety in that, that he's not convicting us to condemn us. He's, he's drawing it out of us that we might meet, we might be made well. And he took the physical progression, I guess, of relationship and really the picture I understood with my husband, who's, who's so wonderful, um, to show me, hey, I'm the bridegroom. You're the bride. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Choose to abide in me. Let me search your heart and know you. Let me in. And in that process, I really believe that's how we first off are made holy as He is holy when we allow His Holy Spirit to do the work within us. But also it teaches us the safety. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He's not one who violates us. God's perfect love is never going to force Himself upon us or violate our will. He is patient and He's kind. And oh, I mean, it's hard to even summarize the beauty of what he really unfolded and unpacked, but it brought me out of religion, like a religious mindset that leads to the doing and the performing and um, the striving so much. And it invited me into this rhythmic, all the time, pray without ceasing, listen to my voice, I'm with you, I love you. I just hunger for the word type of holy covenant.
And um, it's a beautiful end result to find, but it takes a lot of processing in the journey. Um, And I think for many people probably listening in, they're like maybe thinking, well, man, that sounds amazing, but yeah, I don't get that. (laughs) I have any manner of things that hinder me from really knowing like oneness. We can hear from the Holy Spirit. We can like be in relationship in that degree. Yes, that's the gift. That's the gift of God. And um, that knowing is the most beautiful invitation, hard, but holy, right? Transformative, takes a lot of surrender, takes mutual commitment, just like any healthy marriage would, but worth it. Well, you know, you talk about uh, that very fact that I think is so universal in our experience with the Lord. We we receive it in different ways, and it's hard to have that concept because we equate vulnerability that which with is with a human partner, right? Whether that right. was in a dating relationship or a family setting, intimacy and vulnerability go hand in hand. And if we've right. had a any cause for distrust, well, we take that and we imprint that onto our Creator, and we expect the very same thing. Well, up to this point, we've been talking about being intimate with God, and there's nothing like being intimate and perfectly in tune with Christ. But unfortunately, we don't always experience that every day of our lives. So what advice do you have for someone who just feels burned out with with their walk and with Christianity as a whole? Hmm. Yeah, I I would say um, probably the most encouraging thing that encountered me when I was in a similar space um, was the the simple truth that his, his mercies were new every morning. And and I'm like, well, what does that mean? Because <laughs> I um, I get it, I get it in 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 speech. But what does that actually mean when I feel disconnected? When I feel unworthy? When I feel removed? When I feel resentful? When I feel you know any manner of things? And I, I just also receive kind of the picture of. Um, just my relationship, even with my husband, God shows me things to understand the natural in order to better understand his heart. And there's a beauty to awaking each new day and having that covenantal partner by your side that um, looks at you no matter what the previous day is held, no matter what you're feeling when I can be so down. And, and Jeremiah has a peaceful presence that reminds me it's a new day, right? Okay, we can do this. Okay, we we we're I'm not in this alone. We're in this together. And I think that mercy that is ready and prepared to encounter us, it's the same mercy that encountered me when I was in uh, come, came to know Christ and I'd been in the throes of pornography addiction and sexual promiscuity and depression and anxiety and um, the suicidal ideations. I mean, that mercy that found me in that first hour I came to believe was so rich. I, I referenced it earlier, but I think often of the woman at the well. When he encountered her, <laughs> she was not in, in the best state. She was wrapped up in shame. She was avoiding people. She was out there in isolation. And yet that's the very place that God meets us with His mercy. And it goes beyond religion. It goes beyond 
church hurt. It goes beyond, um, am I doing enough? He's saying, I want your heart. I'm right here. As you are rising this morning, I am in your presence. I am in your midst. I've made a way for you. My mercy is new. And there is a peace that comes with that in whatever state it finds us, that it's His kindness that leads us to repentance, right? It's that gentleness that draws us near again. Maybe you're like, I knew that once, but now I don't know. I have X, Y, and Z. You know, we come up with all our reasons and the Lord's like, I'm still right here. And I think that revelation of it was like, oh, it was never you that turned your back on me, God. It was never you that strayed. It was me who got distracted or caught up in the woes of life or let fear steal my peace of your presence or let the circumstances, you know, when COVID was happening, it was just chaotic, right? Let chaos really reign in my heart rather than shalom that's my portion and you. Oh, you, you didn't go anywhere. I was the one running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I have to counsel myself in that way. It's not to sound harsh. It's just to sound honest. I think of Hosea and Gomer, right? He he persisted in pursuit of her, in love with her. And she was known in rough terms as the wife of whoredom. She was, she was all over the place. And yet the, the beauty of that story is that he was always there, ready to forgive, waiting to redeem, pursuing her heart. And, and that that love is ultimately what drew her to him, right? And so, um, I just think that mercy is as a reminder we all need uh, that goes beyond church hurt, goes beyond religion, goes beyond the doing, and it's really the being that he's saying this is most important that you be with me and trust me and be still and know that I am God. Psalm forty six ten. One of the things that is so. I guess, um, evident to me in this conversation that harkens back to two very classic books that that I enjoy. Um, One is called The Practice of the Presence of God, uh, written by Brother Lawrence. Now, this this is, we're talking 1500s material here, right? Right. Uh, And then Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. True Mm. intimacy does have its risks, True yes. intimacy and vulnerability can come at a great cost. Mm-hmm. Explain to me that concept and how you see that fold out. Because, you know, ultimately, when we are all in, when we are being vulnerable, mm-hmm. we are risking it all. And there can be great harm and hurt that comes on the opposite side of that. So talk about that, that that delicate balance between being intimate, being vulnerable, and Mm -hmm. what we stand to lose when things go awry. Yeah, I would would say um, probably one thing that really painted a beautiful picture of this to me. Um, was when the Lord began to unpack for me the, the ancient Hebraic wedding, which we find the language or explaining this all through the Word of God. I mean, it is incredible how the Word of God comes to life when we understand the layer being communicated of bridegroom to bride, of 
the wedding feast of the lamb, right? Of, um, of this picture of marriage, the ancient Hebraic wedding is really neat. It has several sort of phases and steps from the, the father choosing the, the, wife for the the groom, the son, right? We see this when Abraham sent a servant to retrieve a wife for Isaac. Um, when the son then will pray or pay the bride price, this was a dignifying thing. In the culture at that time, you could do any manner of things to a woman to claim her as your property. God implemented this beautiful value, an, an assertion of her value. <laughs> there was a bride price paid, and we understand that in Christ is His life laid down for us. The bride price in order to buy us out of our worldly household, out of out of Satan's grip, out of the iniquity we are conceived into and just consumed by, He laid down His very life. So, Christ Himself gave the fullest thing possible in order to rescue us. And that bride price was so profound because as you progress then through the ancient Hebraic wedding, you see that uh, a, a step or two later, there was a dowry also bought brought by the bride. So, this was a, a mutual expression of I am invested in this, right? I I will be making myself ready as you have to go prepare a place for me in your father's house. That's the literal. We know the scripture, but like that's the literal practice that that takes place culturally. And so the bride would also bring a dowry. And as I began to pray through these steps of this wedding, I was like, uh, if there's anything I know about marriage, even gleaning from my own marriage, is that it is a mutual commitment. It is that both bring all that they have. And so, if Christ's bride price was the fullness of His life laid down, then what is an equivalent dowry that I lay at the Father's feet is my life fully laid down? And and the reality is that that does come with cost, right? That does mean there are going to be sacrifices. That does mean it is going to have to cause me to put down pride or put down fear that is clenching on to say, okay, you can have this part of my life, God, but this, like, I still need to control. This, I'll just figure out. And that, I think a lot of the times, our wounds of vulnerability, that's the heart posture, right? It's self-protective. And so, there are many manner of things that would cause us to remain self-protective, especially as we've been vulnerable with other people and there's been backlash or there's been, uh, there's been trauma or there has been betrayal. But again, God is saying, please stop informing who I am by your experiences with with fallen creatures, right? His invitation and the the beauty that He went first. What does the Word of God say? We can love because He loved us first. The, pa- the fact that He laid down that full bride price first means that we are safe to bring the fullness of our life laid down to Him. And the cost that is associated that with that won't result in the same type of trauma or pain that we know in the natural. The costs are <laughs> result in blessing. 
the obedience to God's voice and whatever that calls us to sacrifice or give up or lay down, obedience yields blessing. Trust yields power as we co-labor with Christ. And this vulnerability, this divine vulnerability, sets itself very far apart from vulnerability with man that can cause wounds. This vulnerability with God to say, you have my whole heart. Search every place of it. Point out any iniquity within me. Call me as you strengthen me to whatever manner of calling or destiny you have on my life. I will obey you. I will follow you. Because I think often of the disciples, they're like, where else will we go? (laughs) This teaching is hard, but where else would we go? This sacrifice of a fully yielded life, a bridal dowry that is mutual, is equivalent to, to the bride price paid by the groom. It's hard. It's hard to walk out this journey. Yeah. It's hard to be vulnerable. But where else would we go? Where else would we go? And the more we trust Him and are vulnerable with Him, the more we see the good fruit that it bears and that He's nothing like the people who have hurt us, that He actually brings blessing in response to our trust. And we know that we're living in step with Him, and we carry a peace that surpasses understanding. It is quite remarkable. And, you know, I I honestly, at this point in the conversation, only want to ask this question, uh, what are you doing next week? Because I want to continue this conversation (laughs) and have more of it. And I would love to uh, do that and unpack some more of these things. And the reason is that um, what we see happening not only in our world, but in our personal church communities, there is not one person that we would say could walk into their church and not look around and see someone who is in the very places that we are addressing through mm-hmm. this book and what a necessity it is for us to really educate and equip people to be able to have those conversations, not only for themselves to get into the deeper relationship with the Lord, but then mm-hmm. ultimately to inspire others and to help redirect them into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And so right. you've got an invitation right now. I want you to you know, think about <laughs> that and we're going to coordinate it, but I would love to have you come back on the program next week and continue this discussion uh, and unpack some further truths. So you up for that? It'd be my pleasure. You just, your people talk to my people, which is really just me. Just shoot me an email. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it. I'm just really so glad. Um, And, you know, I I thanked you earlier to say, you know, obedience is the most important part that we play when it comes to our walk with the Lord and Mm -hmm. your obedience and your candor and your vulnerability that you bring forth in your writing is just very fresh and it's important for people to see. So, Thank you for that. But, Mo, we're going to go ahead and let you get about your day, because I'm sure that cup of coffee you brewed before we got on the air is cold <laughs> by now. And, um, you know, I know you've got things to take care of, but we would love to arrange it. We'll have you back on. And for folks to get an understanding of what we're talking about, fully known, an invitation to true intimacy with God, author Mo Aiken, sharing with us, really unpacking uh, the the Genesis point of Matthew 7 and what it means to be fully known 
by the Lord, not to trick ourselves into a false, you know, superficial relationship, but deep intimacy with our Creator, which is what we're called to. Mo, thank you so much for taking all of this time to spend with me this morning here. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the Word to Life.